Welcome to Food Friends. I'm Carrie. And I'm Sonia. We met in Los Angeles over 15 years ago as private chefs and haven't stopped talking about food since. We created Food Friends to share our stories and recipes with each other and you. We're so glad you're here. This week, we're talking about pasta, but with an exception. No red sauces like marinara or bolognese. Instead, we're embracing spring produce to create fresh and bright pasta dishes, which all happen to be vegetarian, a happy accident I only realized after we finished recording. Sonia and I end up in a hilarious debate because she pitches a recipe by Allison Roman that is delicious, but calls for tomato paste, which is made from tomatoes. So we've made an exception to include all the dishes we discuss, leaving you with a fun episode filled with delicious pasta recipes. Keep listening for more. Hey, Sonia. Hi, Carrie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Well, I'm looking forward to this conversation about pasta, but I think we have to talk about what are the what are the ground rules of this conversation. <laughs> well, I you know, pasta really is that go-to meal, right? That's just you always have a package of pasta in your pantry. Most people do. And it's such a quick meal, but I think we all kind of get tired of pasta with red sauce, especially like as the weather gets warmer and springier and summery. It's like you don't always want just like heavy red sauce, right? Agreed. Agreed. I mean, it is such a great go-to item if you have a good red sauce in your pantry, if you have a good red sauce in your freezer. You know, I think a bolognese is something that we've talked about a lot in terms of something that we make and keep in the freezer, keep on hand. But you're right. I think with the weather getting a little bit warmer and all the spring veggies coming out, I think the question of like, what is a pasta without a red sauce? And I, I kind of really want to explore this with you because I certainly have my go-tos. But even when I was just doing like a quick research for this conversation, there's so many things that came up. So let's get into it. I think you made this point well, which is there's nothing wrong with pasta with red sauce. Like, let me be clear. I love it. It's one of our like ultimate comfort spaghetti and red sauce is just like a perfect meal. But we're just talking about sometimes you want to mix it up. So yeah. So I don't know. Maybe you should start us off. Well, Sonia, my go-to pasta without a red sauce is pesto. And, um, and certainly like, I really love a traditional pesto, which, you know, is a basil and garlic and pine nuts. And, but I've really moved on from that. And I think you are one of the first people to kind of help me think about that differently. And now- You mean like the kind of things you're putting in your pesto? Yeah. I'm not married to that idea of a, a traditional pesto with only basil. I add a lot of different herbs in my, in my pestos now. I add different nuts and I also add different greens. And so in some ways I just throw in whatever I have on hand. And then yeah, sometimes like I put the traditional like basil, pine nut, uh parmesan, which is like what I grew up learning how to make. But pine yeah. nuts are pine nuts are really expensive. They're not always the thing I have in my pantry, but I always have like they don't last very long. No, and they don't last unless long. you I mean, stick unless them in freeze, the freezer. Yes. Which yeah. I typically would store them in the freezer. But like 
I don't always have basil on hand and I don't always have pine nuts on hand, but I almost always have parm and I almost always have other nuts and other greens and herbs. Same, same. And, you know, and I think this gets a little bit into the nuance of the seasons, but I think a midsummer basil pesto is such a special thing. And in this world of having the ingredients always on hand, you know, sure, I we can all get like winter basil because like in California, we have farmer's markets. We can almost always have basil here. And then I think at the grocery stores, you can always get a clamshell of them, but it doesn't taste the same. And it doesn't really speak to the moment of summer that you're sort of, that I think we all think of when we think of like a traditional basil pesto. So I really love to use greens, you know, just lightly blanched greens. Like Um, kale and and Yeah, Kayla, whatever whatever mix there is. I mean, the chards and the spinaches and even the collards, those I find blend a little creamier. You know, I think the kales and you get a little bit more texture with those, which I'm fine with. But, you know, I think sometimes Mac will notice those. You know, I think if if you're a little more texture sensitive, they're not as creamy. But that doesn't mean that they're not as good. So I just it's think like – It's like a green sauce because I'm always like afraid to call pesto without basil pesto like to offend. The, I mean I do. I call totally – Yeah, yeah. Italian but, grandmothers. I, mean, I do call yes, them pestos. Yes, but totally. And the kale pesto is like now a thing you can buy at Trader Joe's. I think when it's more thick – and paste-like, it's a pesto. And then sometimes you have like a looser blend of greens that you can coat a pasta with, and that's like a green sauce to me. Yeah, I mean, I will say I fully lean into dumbing it down to just calling it a green sauce because I have a seven-year-old. And so it's like, hey, can I have that pasta with the green sauce? Because he doesn't always remember that it's called pesto. So it really lends itself to so much variation. So many different kinds of herbs that you can add in there. Parsley is a great one. Parsley and walnuts and garlic and some kind of green. To me, that's such a great combination with like a nice squeeze of lemon. Yeah, I always do. And um, I, I think the nuts that work well too are like walnut, pistachio I've done. Pistachios are great. I like macadamias. Macadamias are so good because they're so creamy. I've even done hazelnut. Yes, as are cashew. Ca- oh. Cashew. Hey, really? hazelnut's definitely more brittle. Yeah. It's not going to be like as creamy of a pesto or same with almonds. Like they're very, you know, they're much more crumbly than creamy, but they do work. And I think that Parmesan is an easy, a grated Parmesan is easy to put into a pesto, but it's just as easy to leave out. And then I, I do love a green pesto with a salty cheese like feta or even a really creamy cheese like a chef, some kind of goat cheese. I have not done that. I want to table feta because I have a whole thing about feta and pasta. But to your point, like I agree. I think the cheese is not essential and obviously you can do nutritional yeast if you're vegan and there's all these like cheese substitutes or just omit the cheese. You know, the things I think are really though essential in a pesto for me, like you said, lemon and garlic. Like I want a little bit of garlic. Lemon and garlic and a good olive oil. But, you know, you touched on something that I really wanted to explore with you because I think you and I have had this conversation before and you mentioned that I want to say it was maybe your brother and sister-in-law were making this vegan kind of mac and cheese with nutritional Oh, no, yeast. they made vegan Parmesan. Um, That's what it was. Parmesan. It was like a vegan Parmesan kind of crumble, but it was made with Brazil nuts and nutritional yeast. And I'll try to find the recipe to link it because that's a really fun topping 
on top of a pasta. So if you did a pasta with green sauce and you wanted to add like a plant-based parm or even texture, like I love adding a toasted breadcrumb on top of a pasta. There's something about like the soft noodle with like a toasty, crunchy little bit. That's so good. Yeah. When we're talking about pasta without red sauce, we're still in the sort of Italian type of pastas. We're not talking about like a rice noodle or Chinese noodles or other Asian noodles, right? Yeah. I'm talking about pasta, the the Italian pasta, penne, rigatoni, elbows, whatever. But I do think that pesto still makes it feel very Italian. And so I have a pasta offering, still pasta as we know it. My entry into pasta without red sauce actually comes from my childhood. And it is like the ultimate comfort food for my childhood. And I think a lot of other Jewish people are going to be familiar with this because I sort of- Oh my God, yeah, I'm so I intrigued. I call it Jewish mac and cheese. Not that Jews are the only ones who make this dish, but it's very, very common in the Jewish community. So I grew up eating- noodles and cottage cheese. And and I would go to other friends' homes, other Jewish friends' homes, and their parents would make noodles and cottage cheese. Wait, what is <laughs> noodles and cottage cheese? I'm so – like I've never so had So my this. mom – like so the traditional thing is literally – and this comes from like Poland and Eastern Europe where they would make simple pastas and egg noodles, lokshen is what they would be called in Yiddish. And they would have these kinds of curd cheeses, farmer's cheese. And so this dish really goes back to that. And also like kugels are a version of this dish. And I actually think like the American version of this is really probably deconstructed kugel. Uh, but this is that's a, like a longer story. But the basic dish is literally noodles. Usually it's like bow tie or a penne, not a spaghetti noodle. So those kinds of noodles. And, okay. Like yeah, bite-sized bite noodle. noodle. And literal cottage cheese that you just dump in and mix while it's hot and it becomes kind of saucy and cheesy, but that's all there is. Two ingredients, that's it? You don't – do you put any onions or herbs or that's just like Two ingredients is how a lot of people eat it and a lot of people make it. But my mom did kind of a riff on it and she – and like a lot of my friends would be like, can your mom make us – noodles and cottage cheese like they come over to our house and like request this dish like my mom became known for her version of noodles and cottage cheese Wait, so what she, did she put in it I'm it was so a combination curious. of ingredients and technique so like again I would go to someone's house and their parents would literally like scoop plain noodles into a bowl and add cold cottage cheese and then mix that about and that would be a dish what my mom would do is she would take the cook the noodles till they were cooked put them back in the hot pot add the cottage cheese to the hot pot and then add loads and loads of Parmesan cheese, like tons. And oh. that would give it all its saltiness and funkiness and, and umami. umami. And yeah. that was just like – literally it was one extra ingredient. And of course, like a lot of people like black pepper on this as well. That's like a common add-in. But that would be like – I'd eat that minimum one time a week, probably two to three times a week growing up. That sounds delicious. So it leads to like of what I kind of evolved into in my own life. So I don't actually make tons of noodles and cottage cheese, although now that we're talking about it, like I'm instantly craving it. But what I do love if I don't want to do red sauce is I love feta and I love Parmesan. So what I'll do is – cook a noodle. And then I'll usually, wow, like towards the end of its cooking process, add in broccoli or add in some kind of greens or maybe even peas. So they just- You'll throw those vegetables into the, exactly, the pasta water. while the pasta is still cooking. So it like okay. the last two minutes of everything cooking, just so they kind of- 
it blanches it yeah, up or I, whatever. Like and it's all in it one up. pot. I don't have to like get out another pot. And then I drain everything. I right. throw that back in the pot and then I crumble feta. And this is the technique part. I really stir it. And sometimes I'll leave a little pasta water on the side because the stirring kind of emulsifies and creates the sauce. And if you add a little water, then that does it even more. And then like grate a right. shower of Parmesan over top and tons of black pepper. That's like one of my favorite go-to non-red sauce pastas. Why do you put it back in the pot? Does that help keep everything hot? Is that the deal? It, like it helps yeah. emulsify it? That that makes sense to me. I'm just kind of wondering in terms of like, does that help the technique a little bit? If you drain it and then put it into a serving bowl, then everything is immediately coming down a couple of degrees because it's not in a hot bowl. It's in a Yeah. And I bowl. think the technique among Italians, as I understand it, is, you know, Americans often will like drain pasta, put it on a plate and then scoop sauce onto it. Typically at restaurants mm-hmm. and in Italian homes, like the pasta is put directly into the sauce and you're cooking the pasta even more yes. al dente than al dente so that it can finishes off cooking. Like it reaches al dente in the sauce as it cooks. Also the starchiness of yeah. the noodles thicken the sauce. So there's like a real reason you do that. And so with the feta in particular or cottage cheese in particular, if you're just adding like straight up cold cheese to hot noodles, like it doesn't really create a sauce. It creates a crumble. But if you're stirring it in a hot pot and you add a little bit of olive oil and pasta water pasta and you're like, water, it, cre- right. it emulsifies, it creates a sauce. Yeah. I'm just so interested in all these nuances because I think one of the great things about a two ingredient dish or a three ingredient dish is its simplicity. But then I think you're really relying on quality of the ingredients, right? And then you're also relying on the technique that you're using. And so this nuance of like putting it back into the hot pot, stirring it vigorously, letting it kind of break up, adding a little bit of warm pasta water, you know, I mean, I as someone who's never even experienced this, like I'm already thinking. Oh yeah, you gotta try can it. I go to the store and get some cottage cheese. You, it sounds so and like good. if you like goat cheese. You know, we were talking about the feta instead of cottage cheese. This would work with cottage cheese, feta, goat cheese, like that can be soft. Any right? of them, like a gouda that could like add a, a funkiness to it. Yeah, you want it to be. Would you do like a blue cheese? I don't like blue cheese on a pasta, but <laughs> I don't. Eat that. So it's so. So intense, It sounds really not yummy to me. But I do think it can't be like a Gouda where it's hard. (laughs) Like it has to be a softer cheese. But you know what would actually work really well is like Borson, that like herby cheese, you know? Oh, yeah, the herby cheese. Or I guess maybe even something like a spicy cheese, like a spicy jack because that would melt a little bit. It would probably be a little stringier. The soft cheeses, like I mean feta, chev, Borson, all those ones because I think if it's anything you grate, then it does that thing like... Like, you know when you don't make a sauce for mac and cheese, it just makes it like stringy, melty cheese, which yeah. is not bad. Totally. It's not bad. Totally. It's not bad, but this is not what you're looking Correct. for in this though. But I have a question for you because there's a right. pasta I see you making over and over that has no red sauce. I see it all the time in your Instagram. You make – it seems like <laughs> almost every week you make some version of noodles and beans and greens. I don't always put beans in um, in my pastas, but I'm generally sauteing greens and garlic and lemon and then adding pasta to it. There's always pasta at my house and we love it. And there's always leftover pasta. Do you add beans to your... Yeah, sometimes I do. It depends. It depends if I have them or not. It depends on what's on hand. But in some ways, it's like a I make a deconstructed 
pesto a lot instead of getting out the blender, which, you know, I always have this aversion to more dishes. So it's like chop some greens, chop some garlic, saute that, throw in some pasta, add a little bit of any kind of cheese that I've got, maybe a little bit of pasta water to kind of do what you're talking about was like making it a little bit creamier. I mean, and then if I have chickpeas on hand, I'll throw those in. If I have white beans on hand, I'll throw those in. Um, Garlic is really a key yeah, I'm, like, I'm, ingredient in these non-red sauce pastas, I think, too. Like even in the feta one, I didn't mention it, but I usually add actually like grated garlic to the hot pot. It cooks it just a little and not a ton of garlic. And my, this is also I learned from my mom. She does the same thing. It's just that little punchiness. Yeah. It's just like another layer of flavor. And the other thing that I would say, you know, one of the ideas we actually cooked this over the sort of holiday break is I made this cauliflower pasta. And what really called to me was the description where it said like equal parts of cauliflower and pasta. Mm. And I was like, oh, I love that idea of like so much cauliflower and pasta because cauliflower also like caramelizes and breaks down. But what that pasta has in it is a lot of shallot. And so you saute the shallots and then you basically cook a whole head of cauliflower and it breaks down. It's kind of uh, Alfredo-ish because it's like you toss it with heavy cream and Parmesan cheese and then you bake it and it's got like garlic breadcrumbs on it too. So, but it's really, it's a lot of cauliflower, which I like, especially reminds this type me of, of year, that ca- you know? cauliflower farro dish that you and I both love to make. It's like the cauliflower really does kind of blend into the things it's cooking. The shallot thing is, yeah. and I want to return to this cauliflower thing, but the shallot thing makes me, reminds me of another recipe that went viral that I think is really genius and it's. Allison Roman's caramelized shallot pasta. But that one has No, it red doesn't. Pasta. It has, it has tomato, tomato paste. Tomato in it. Which I think tomato, tomato paste. paste does not make it a red sauce. Tomato paste to me. Oh, it, no, it to me it does, does not. <laughs> to me, a red sauce has to have actual tomato, like puree, crushed, fresh. That is actual tomato. tomato. Tomato paste is actual tomato. You could not make a whole red sauce from tomato paste. No, but I think that – you're talking about that bucatini, right? That has like the anchovies and the – it's like caramelized shallots and tomato paste. And then I think there's some anchovy in that. It's so heavy with the shallot and and the anchovy. The tomato paste – and the, the tomato, tomato paste, paste is only like a couple spoonfuls and it's not a sauce. It's like a coating of like an umami sweet caramelized shallot thing. We but can disagree red. about it. It's red. <laughs> it is not red. It's like I love brown. It. I love it. Oh my gosh. We're basically just talking about pasta with sans one ingredient, tomato, and that is tomato. But I we, I'm gonna we say, can agree I'm to gonna say tomatoes, that. That, by tomato the way, paste is a cheat that makes it not a full red sauce but gives you the umami of a tomato. Oh, so funny. <laughs> it's funny that you're thinking of Alison Roman because this cauliflower pasta that I was cooking with the shallots is actually one of her recipes too. And at the end of the day, both of those recipes, one with just all the cauliflower and the other one that has, you know, the caramelized shallots and the tomato paste, those are both really, really delicious recipes. I agree with you. But I think I want to take like a full hard right turn because one of the things that I was thinking about and also feeling like is missing out of my repertoire is a mushroom pasta. Yeah, that, I definitely have that, that. Do you have a mushroom pasta that well, you love? I do do make mushroom pastas often and they don't have red sauce because I don't think mushroom pastas go that well with red sauce. No, I often not at all. 
I've been really into roasting mushrooms. So you're just literally like taking oyster mushrooms, kind of meteor mushrooms, but you could do this with basic button, cremini, whatever, and roasting them with garlic and oil and red pepper flake and butter. And you can do it in a casserole dish and they get kind of like caramelized on the edges, but you could certainly do this in a pan. And I definitely do it in a pan. You're just like those crispy mushroom edges. And again, for me, this when I do yeah. it as a pasta, I keep it really simple. So it's almost like all these things are versions of like cacio e pepe. Like you're basically taking, you know, it's really based with like parm or olive oil and a little pasta water. And that's where you get a little bit of the sauce action. And then you're just throwing in tons of roasted uh, roasted marshmallows, (laughs) roasted mushrooms. (laughs) And then for the mushroom pasta, for me, the other feature besides a cheese, you know, lots of garlic, lots of olive oil is a copious amount of parsley, like a heavy handed hit of fresh herbs to like go with that woody, earthy mushroom. And then a drizzle, you know, when I'm cooking the mushrooms at the very end, I always drizzle them with like sherry vinegar or red wine vinegar to give a pop of acidity to it that also balances out that richness. Yeah, I'm, you know, part of me bringing this idea to you is a little bit like I do a version of that too. And it kind of reminds me of when we were having our frittata conversation, like many Many moons uh, ago, many recordings ago, many moons ago. And I was like, oh yeah, like frittata, like I kind of always eat the potatoes instead because it's like not a wow kind of thing. And you really brought these nuances that created a frittata that was so flavorful. And I do like to roast roast mushrooms. I love shiitakes. I roast them a lot. I love shiitakes with thyme and garlic and onions and shallots and all of those things. And I toss them with pasta and I'm always kind of like, eh. I wonder if adding a little bit of vinegar, cherry vinegar, like head of vinegar, and then a big shower of herbs. It just makes... You would. know, even dill works in this dish. If you, if you, I mean, <laughs> but dill always at but your I, house. I, yeah, I don't think that 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 doesn't seem like a natural. It's combo definitely for not me, Italian, but, but um, it's very Eastern European. I think it does work. I mean, look, when you have fresh herbs in a dish, it's that one thing that makes it feel just that much more special. It brightens But a it. good caramelized yeah, shallot would a help lot. a mushroom pasta a lot. Like what Alison Roman does, if you want to be a purist and exclude tomato paste because then it goes into red sauce territory. Okay. So I like do. exclude <laughs> – you get plenty of um- <laughs> you get plenty of umami from anchovy. You could totally do caramelize a bunch of shallots in a pan with anchovies. Get that all kind of like melty and browned and goodness, and then have your cooked mushrooms. Throw that into the end. Throw your pasta into the same pan. Now you're coating everything, and you add a little bit of pasta water to like loosen it up and to make it all come together. I think that would make a mushroom pasta dish a little tastier. Yeah, I'm gonna give that a try. I mean, as we're talking about caramelizing things, there's this really interesting. I haven't made it for a while because it hasn't been summer for a while, but. There's this really great recipe that's like a caramelized zucchini pasta. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've told you about this one, and I'm I'm really intrigued by it because, again, I love the idea of a pasta dish that's very heavy on vegetables. So just like this cauliflower dish, there's like tons of grated zucchini in this. And what you do is you grate all this zucchini, and then you really have to find a lot of patience. In the same way that when you're caramelizing onions, you got to like keep letting them go until they break down and sweeten. But you create this really delicious, like almost like a pesto sauce. It's certainly like more but it's textured cooked, than pesto. So it doesn't sound like pesto. It, it sounds – No, but it's just mushy. It sounds like you're making 
it's very really mush- reduced caramelized zucchini, which just sounds so interesting. That's exactly what it is. And to your point about adding the fresh herbs, you do put some basil in to kind of cook as the zucchini is caramelizing. But then at the end, you put a lot of fresh basil in, which gives it this like fresh element too. And you add the pasta, you add the caramelized zucchini, and you add a little bit of pasta water to kind of loosen it and coat it. It's really confounding how good it is because I have to be honest, like zucchini is such an ever-present vegetable especially in the summer but like I'm not really a zucchini person like I like it cooked into things but like I once had a friend who was like oh yeah I love a skillet of sauteed zucchini and I'm like oh I couldn't like anything less it's like so mushy. <laughs> no it's not the greatest and texture so this, and this is such a celebration of what it does best it yeah mushes. it sounds like you could yeah. use up a lot of your zucchini which I think in the summertime by the end of the summer, you're like swimming in zucchini, especially if you – Everyone is yeah. looking for – Yeah. Such a, especially if you grow a solution, it. A solution to like the stacks of zucchini, yes, that yeah. you have. My grandmother would always make zucchini bread because there would just be like tons of zucchini on hand and – that's why there would be like five loaves of zucchini bread in her freezer. Got a lot of zucchini. Like you got to make something it's with so it. It's so smart. Mine is – my um, go-to is zucchini baba ganoush. That's what I do. That's been my like dealing with my zucchini because you need a fair amount to make it and it just – it actually works almost as well as eggplant. Oh, interesting. So your zucchini pasta also reminds me of something I love to do throughout the whole summer, which is I love taking corn off the cob and adding that to pasta. So like sauteing corn with onions or garlic. Sometimes I'll add Romano beans, like blanched Romano beans. Then I'll add tons of basil. If you make some sausage too, and you add sausage, corn, basil, it's just like a perfect combination of flavors with pasta. Well, I actually couldn't agree more. And I'm glad you reminded me of this because my aunt Taryn used to make this it was, she called it corn pasta and it was always the martinis. And she would actually just use frozen corn, especially if she hadn't been to the market or whatever. So she would do corn and butter and rotini. And then I have this vivid memory of her. She would hold chives or green onions in her hand and cut them yeah. with scissors into like little pieces. That's the best and way it to would do it. and it would inevitably yeah, it was so easy and so lovely. That is such a simple yeah. dish. But I've riffed on that for years. You can add in Parmesan to that. You can add lemon to that. I've added lime, like lime butter to that. I've added cilantro. I've added like a queso fresco. Yes. Or it's delicious. And like a bunch of like a, some squeezes of lime. But again, I think there's this reoccurring idea of yeah. herbs, you know, in these pastas. There's a lot of herbaceousness. And I will offer that like the herbiness of it adds a lot of flavor, but it also like herbs can add a lot of nutrition too. You know, I think there's yeah. a lot of all that yes. green is great for it's you. So you good. know, is there any last pasta dish you're wanting to share that we haven't covered yet? I mean, this could go. I mean, obviously, there's an infinite amount of things to do with pasta. It's ultimately a blank canvas. Something I made somewhat recently is a pasta frittata, and I had heard of people talking about this idea of a pasta frittata. And I used to hear people talk about spaghetti pie and, you know, I was kind of like, I don't know, that sounds so weird. But I did make a pasta frittata a couple months ago and it's just that we had leftover spaghetti on hand and we had some friends coming over for lunch. I had eggs, I had Parmesan and I didn't actually have that much other food and I threw together this frittata and it was delicious. I mean, it was very rich. There was a lot of butter, a lot of cheese, a lot of eggs. It wasn't like an everyday kind of meal, but it was 
it was so delicious. To your point about the frittatas that we've talked about before, if you just follow like a loose ratio of like how many eggs, how much butter, how much cheese, it was a spaghetti pie. Like we served it in wedges, you know, with a good salad. That's kind of all you need. Yeah, it's it's a classic. This the spaghetti or pasta frittata. I believe it's like a very traditional way of using up leftover spaghetti noodles or pasta noodles, and you don't need a recipe. It's literally like okay, you have a cast iron dish or a big skillet that can go in the oven, or even a casserole dish and you throw in your pasta and you throw in some eggs and you throw in some cheese and you throw in some herbs and call it a day and that's dinner. It's perfect. Yeah. I think that also kind of speaks to some of these other really simple pasta with a little bit of butter, a little bit of garlic, a little bit of olive oil. Like they have these like midnight pasta dishes because it is a pantry staple. Really all you need is pasta, a fat, maybe a little bit of cheese, maybe a little bit of pepper. It's like a quick, easy meal. There is nothing bad about a buttered noodle and Parmesan cheese. I don't know a person who doesn't like that. It's so yes, it can be as simple as that, but to your point, I think all these elements we've talked about, a caramelized shallot, some roasted mushrooms, all these things make pasta so yummy and different and create variety in your pasta eating cycles, which can, you know, lean heavily towards <laughs> red sauce. There's such a world of, you know, because I think what we really covered were in the sort of more Italian ideas of pasta, but there's also like all these other noodles, right? Where rice noodles and wheat noodles and ramen noodles, like we could do a whole nother. Yeah. I don't think we're talking about noodles, which is to me is like a very broad category. Pasta is a subset of noodles. So I don't feel like we're excluding (laughs) other things. You know, without going into all the noodle varieties of the world, like pasta really has its Italian roots. And in that, there's still so much variety. Yeah. Well, I feel like we've covered a few ideas of this sort of traditional idea of pasta without red sauce. And maybe we have another episode in us to talk about the wider world of noodles that includes things like rice noodles and egg noodles and... um, All the noodles. Glass noodles. There's so many noodles. All the noodles. Yeah. But this was a fun start with just pasta, and now I'm definitely inspired to make a few things differently and also just to go back to some old favorites. I mean, I'm going to go get some cottage cheese today. That sounds so incredible. Yes, I am. I'm so interested. I'm excited to hear what you think. (laughs) I will report back. All right. Well, talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for being our food friend. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe, leave us a review, and share this episode with friends. We love hearing from you, so follow us on Instagram or drop us a line at foodfriendspodcast.com. Yes, we'd love to hear from you and your food friends. Happy cooking and eating. Oh, oh, oh.